9 o'clock service, we need to be very conscious of the time. Revelation is the fifth chapter. Again, the title, you know, uh, uh, the three young ladies that sang during the offering, of course, they sang on my knees for a special song, but they were talking about worthy as a lamb. And we're going to be talking about the lamb of God. Matter of fact, the title of my sermon is Slam Dance. Small S, small S, small S, slam dance. I know the, 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 the youth, you have had some slam dancing or something like that, uh, but not that kind. It's small S, capital L, capital A, capital M, capital B, lamb. Uh, Worthy is the Lamb. Uh, and so, Revelation chapter 5. Look at chapter 4, uh, just as a real quick here. Chapter 4. Verse 8. Each of the four living creatures had six wings and was covered with eyes all around, even under his wings. Day and night they never stopped saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Who was and is and is to come. Now, verse 1 of chapter 5. <clears throat> then I saw on the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll with writing on both sides and sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming in a loud voice, Who is worthy to break the seals and open the scroll? But no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth could open the scroll or even look inside of it. I wept and wept. Because no one was found who was worthy to open the scroll or look inside. Then one of the elders said to me, do not weep. See, see, vision. The lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of J David, has triumphed. He is able to open the scroll and its seven seals. Then I saw a lamb looking as if it had been slain, standing in the center of the throne. In the center of the throne. He had access to that. He had rights to stand in the center of the throne, encircled by the four living creatures and of the elders. He had seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. He came and took the scroll from the right hand of him who sat on the throne. And when he had taken it, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb. Each one had a harp, and they were holding golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song. You are worthy to take the scroll and to open up its seals because you were slain and with your blood you purchased men for God. Father, I pray you utilize this half hour for the furtherance of your gospel, the edification of your body, the salvation of souls. And we give you the honor, glory, and praise in your name. Amen. Amen. Shake hands one with another prior to your being seated. <clears throat> Hallelujah. Now, I'm going to have to break up this sermon. Matter of fact, what I was doing right now, I was, I was shortening it. Because it was a bit too, too lengthy. And so I'm going to bring it next week. I'll bring a continuation on this. Because I really, really want to bring this out. I've mentioned that uh, soon and very soon we're going to be covering the book of Revelations uh, uh, from the beginning to the end. And we're going to really, you know, get in depth a little bit there. Not, not a whole lot because you can get lost. How many know that? Uh, man, people can blow your mind. Uh, reading the book of Revelation. Forget LSD. Let's read the book of Revelation, you know. Oh, yeah, yeah. Some people, you can get lost in that stuff. But it's not really that that it's not really that uh, how do you say deep it, it can get simple once you really study it now we want to bring it out in simplicity because the gospel is meant to be simple yet profound at the same time <clears throat> okay so next week i want to be covering more about the the incense and all that all that you know and what it stands for it symbolizes some good stuff so i'm going to cover about half of this chapter here today and the next week we'll we'll, we'll, we'll carry on okay and uh, then in may we're going to cover that, that's when we're going to cover everything in April, we're going to be having an Ezra. We're going to be talking about covering the whole book of Ezra. We're going to be dealing with an Ezra fund. Okay, the Ezra fund. In other words, we've, we've, we're able to come in and occupy this place. And God allowed us. We've met the criteria, the needs. God blessed us. And I explained to the men, uh, you know, yesterday when I talked to the men that were here, the fact that how we got this place is a big miracle. Everything worked out just, just right. In that, when we got the first loan for this place, and some of you already know, but I want to explain to those of you that don't, we got the first loan from, from a man that just started working at Fremont Bank. Okay, so those of you who might be know Fremont Bank. Oy, oy, oy. And he had just started working, and he happened to be Ed's, one of his good friends, partners. Uh, and so what he, when he started working there, Ed found him at the right time. He only worked there for four months, and it took us four months to get the loan. The day we got the loan, he left. <clears throat> 
you know, then we had to get three second loans, three seconds, uh, in order to, for the rest, bring the rest of the money. And one person, the, the, the uh, Washington Mutual told him, we can't give you a loan. And no, 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 we can't. But that individual said he got ministered to his heart to take some people from a convalescent home to go see Benny Hinn. When he came back from the power of God and at the Benny Hinn crusade in, in Oakland, some of you probably attended. By the way, Benny Hinn is going to be preaching at our world conference. Okay, he'll be there in, Lo in Long Beach with Victor Outreach. All right, he's going to be one of the speakers along with Joyce Myers, just in case you know who she is. She'll be with us. Uh, Evie Hill, hallelujah, will be in the house. Uh, <clears throat> but anyways, when they came back from Benny Hinn, they had a phone call saying, we're going to give you the loan. Uh, so everything worked out meticulously, just so. And that's the way God is. Okay? <clears throat> anyways, I said all that to say what? Hallelujah. <laughs> uh, we got to get into God's word here. Uh, but I was bringing the fact out that, well, we're going to be covering the Ezra fund. See, I know. In the month of April. Because we need to get rid of those seconds. Kick them out of the way. Once we do, those three mortgage seconds that we have, then, you know, then, then the, the, we'll have enough finances to do all God's calls to do. So we're going to concentrate on those seconds. Then also, not only that, but also to knock down these walls. Okay, we, we, can't, we can't go over our heads too, too much, but as the finances come in, that's what we'll do. Uh, if you want Pastor Steve just to preach once on Sunday morning, well, the finances will come in. Uh, <laughs> uh, then also, let me just mention here, I, I don't get you that often, so I got to let's family talk right now before I get into God's word here. The opportunity has arisen to purchase the home next to the men's home, right next door. The owner has says, I don't want to deal with anybody but you guys. So it's ours for the taking or ours for the losing, however you want to look at it. Okay, but it's four, no, that's about well, three bedrooms plus. You know how we're able to plus it. Uh, so it's three legal bedrooms uh, and pretty good size plus. But it's right next door to, the, right next door to our, our, our rehab home that we have now for, currently for the men. And so, uh, I mean, you know, we want to knock down fences. And the guy says, listen, it's, it's, it's for you. And so we're trying to do some stuff because the broker that attends our church, Ed's real, real uh, you know, in, he's got a lot of ingenuity in how to uh, seal the deal. And so we're, we're getting close to closing already with them. So, okay. So it's, but that's going to take some more finances too. Uh, and maybe, but so far with Ed, we've been able to get into places with no money down. That's a pretty good deal. Uh, and the render's not going to be that steep. So pray. I said all that for you to pray and understand where we're at. Ready for Revelations? Ready to Sam dance? Hallelujah. Okay, here in Revelations, I read one scripture from, from chapter 4, but a lot from chapter 5. Because it's very, very full of drama. The reason uh, I, I read even just one scripture from chapter 4, because chapter 4, in a sense, is like the background to a drama, to a, a play. And we're going to, I'm going to preach you today in five scenes. Sort of like a, a play. I'm going to give you five scenes today. But the background is found in chapter 4. And chapter 4, when you read it, it talks about the throne of God. Almighty God. Sitting on the throne. The power and the majesty of Almighty God. And that's the background to chapter 5. Okay? And I'm going to be bringing it up again into five different scenes. And again, the, 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 the background is found in chapter Four. Isaiah 6 describes him as high and lifted up. Isaiah 6, 1. Uh, high and lifted up. The very presence of God. Where God lives on the throne of God. That's chapter 4 as well. And the first scene of this drama is we're going to be covering, and if you're taking notes, write down the scroll. We're going to be referring to the scroll. Verse 1. Look at Revelation 5, verse 1. Scene one is the scroll. Then I saw on the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll with writing on both sides and seated with seven seals. Let me describe the scroll. Okay, you got to stay with me here. Now, let me just make mention. In this sermon, you're going to have to be uh, uh, cerebral. Well, I don't even know what that means. That means you got to think. Uh, this sermon, uh, as I was putting it together, I said, oh, Jesus. But I'm going to deliver what God has given me, so, but you got to stay with me now. You got to stay awake here. All right? Are you going to go through the whole drama, the whole play? Ready for scene one? What is scene one? The scroll. Now, back in those days, okay, today we have, our books are made out of, you know, here, you can turn the pages. We read from left to right or other people, some people leave from, read from right to left. So we have pages here. I always trip out when I'm on a plane going to the Orient. And I see the Oriental people when they're reading their books, they're going, they go like this. 
They go, you know, I'm, I'm trying to go, you know, for one, I can't even read their, you know, hieroglyphics or, you know, whatever it is. But I trip out on the way they read their, their stuff. You know, sometimes they read it like this. Uh, but nevertheless, our books, we turn our pages. Back in, in those days, they didn't turn the pages. Okay. They were made out of, the scrolls were made out of papyrus. Sort of like a, a rhubarb plant uh, or celery. Maybe better for us, celery. Rhubarb, uh, we're not into too much rhubarb. Uh, uh, but celery. And celery has that, you, you cut it with a knife and it, and it slits. You know, it has that little, those lines. You ever eat the celery? When I was a kid, I didn't like celery because it got caught in my teeth. You know, uh, uh, floss with celery, you know. <clears throat> but that's the way papyrus was. They would get it and would slice it and would go all the way down. All the way. They would get it and put it down to where it finally got about 32 through 35 to 36 feet in length. Okay, then what they would do is they would turn it around and then use the other side and just stomp it together. So it was, in a sense, it was like this, okay, something like this. Now, when it was like this, they could write across left to right real easy. It was sort of like lines. They could write real good. And it was pounded together. But when they got to the other side, it was real difficult to write because you had to go, you know what I mean? Sort of like when you're sitting over here and you can't see me. Uh, I'm, like a, I'm a papyrus. Uh, aye, aye, aye. By the way, if we build a new building, we're going to try and put beams across. We already discussed that. Uh, so it won't be a papyrus kind of a sanctuary. Uh, so it was difficult. So the only time that they would ever write on both sides, the Bible says it was written on both sides. Didn't it say that? This scroll was written on both sides. The only time they ever did that, when they wrote on both sides, was when they were dirt poor, had no money, so they had to utilize, you know, they didn't want to be spending a lot of money on papyrus, or else, because it took a lot of time, it was very strenuous, or else when the document was very, very important and you didn't want to lose it. You ever lost documents? I have all kinds. I mean, I'm an elder now, and they give me all, they bring us, send us all kinds of documents. I mean, every time I'm over here, uh, a was saying, you got some new, new faxes. <sighs> all right, give me them. Uh, here, to answer, to bring them to my office and about two weeks later, Basio will say, what happened to those faxes? <laughs> you want to help me find them? You know? uh, because when, they, when you separate those things, you can lose it very easily. Okay? But so when you didn't want to lose those things, when you had a mind like as cerebral as mine, you could lose things. So you kept it all in one scroll. So this one says, the Bible says, that... It was written on both sides. Why? Not because God is dirt poor, but because it's important. It's important. Okay? And we need to understand that. that that's what it's trying to bring out here. They, he didn't want to take any chances in losing it. Sort of like a legal contract. You're very careful with those things. See, this scroll, according to Scripture, was super important. For it contained, listen to this, it contained all of God's purposes, both blessings and judgment. It was super important. It contains God's, you know, uh, heart for blessings and also for judgment. Okay? So it was a very super important document. It contains God's purposes regarding redemption and condemnation. We're going to be studying Revelation. It talks about that. Uh, he that reads this book and takes it to heart will be blessed, the Bible says. So it, 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 it contains God's blessings. But it also contains God's condemnation if we don't follow what God wants us to do. According to scripture. Okay. It was, a, it was a VIP. Very important paper. Then. With the scroll. Wax was dropped on the cover of the scroll. And then it was sealed. It was sealed. Okay. It was like dropped. Wax was dropped on here. Then it was sealed. With seven seals. Sort of like rings. Seals. All right. Sort of like a scroll here. This, we'll use it as a scroll. Uh, and it, and it, had, it had wax on it. Seal it, but then it had seven different other seals. But in order for the scroll or the document to, to become official, it had to be opened. Or the seals had to be busted or broken. Then the scroll would be official. Then, my friend, it would become legal. So this is the first scene. All right, the scroll. It can't be legal, though, until it's opened. Until it's sealed, there it is. It must be opened. Then the second scene is... The challenge. Look at verse 2. Verse 2 is the challenge. And I saw a mighty angel 
proclaiming in a loud voice, who is worthy to break the seals and open the scroll? What a challenge. Here is where the setting for the play, this drama, takes, you know, uh, 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 you know some heavy effects. Or some, it brings on into this drama some heavy implications. See, somebody has to walk into the throne room, the presence of Almighty God, of which chapter 4, the background for this play, this setting, says somebody's got to walk right up into the very presence of Almighty God and get the scroll, take the seal, and break it. Uh, that's, that's, that's a big challenge. Because when you read chapter 4, you'll find that Almighty God is unapproachable. That's why I read, verse, the verse that I read there, verse 8, about the angels, the, the seraphim, the cherubims. Okay, the different types of angels that they have. These had six wings. Uh, one, one was to cover their feet because, you know, because of human, humanity. They were had to cover their feet. The other one they had to cover their eyes because they can't even see them. Uh, the other ones they would fly with. Because this God is very fearful. It is a fearful thing to fall in the hands of the living God. Judgment. Remember, this is a book of blessing but also of judgment and of condemnation and redemption. It's both. So, my friend, in order to approach the right throne of God, not just anybody could do that. Uh, holy, holy, holy. That's the third power. Uh, Lord God Almighty. So, you know, it was, in other words, he's, he's all frightening, all powerful, almighty God. Okay? And to be able to take the scroll from him first, even before trying to open it, you got to grab the scroll from him. Who could do that? Who is worthy to be able to come before the very presence of God and not have to have his eyes covered or his feet covered through his humanity? Who could it be? This God, who even the cherubim won't look at. Then you have to fit the criteria to open the scroll, let alone grab it, then to open it. So the question, the task, it all boils down to who has rank to open the scroll? Who has that rank, that ability, that capability to come before the very throne of Almighty God. Uh, which brings us to the third scene. We're moving fast. Verse 3. Verse 3. Look at this. But no one in heaven. The challenge of the verse 2. Who could do it? Verse 3 is. But no one in heaven or on earth. Or under the earth. Could open the scroll. Or even look inside it. Scene 3. The title of scene 3 is. Utter silence. I've written for lack of better words. Aghast. I probably misspelled it, but you, you won't know. You can't look at my scroll. Uh, aghast. You ever, you ever heard that word, aghast? In other words, it's like your jaw dropped. Aghast. Like, wow. Uh, it's just, wow. Who could do Nobody. Silence. Utter silence. Who can do it? You go. No, I can't go. Don't like the three stooges. <laughs> I can't do it. I can't, I can't even, we can't even look at him. Who can open the scrolls, let alone grab the scroll? Uh, nobody was found. No one in heaven, no one on earth, that's what the Bible says, nor under the earth, that's what it says, can actually accomplish such a task, such a feat. Nobody. Uh, the challenge, nobody can meet that challenge. It says nobody on earth. In other words, no humanity, none of us. Nobody in heaven, not even an angel, the cherubim can't do that. No seraphim can do it. Nobody under the earth, which means not even Moses or somebody that was already dead could do it. Nobody could accomplish that feat. It was too challenging. Uh, nobody had the rank to be able to accomplish that task, to open the scroll. Uh, chapter 5, verse 3, it even says that no one was even able to, you know, to look inside of it. Didn't look at verse 3. Doesn't it say that? They couldn't even look inside. Look at verse 3. But no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth could open the scroll or even look inside of it. In other words, you couldn't even take a peekaboo. Uh, you ever been in a doctor's office when you're waiting to find out what's happening with, with somebody that you love, a loved one? Uh, or better yet, when you were, in, you were new in school and you had to go get a paddle from the principal. You and all your little homies. Because you were real, real good kids. Uh, or they're going to question you. You've got to go over there and go in the principal's office and, and you're all sitting there in line. And you're waiting to find out what are they doing in there? Who's getting hit? What are they asking? What are they saying? Right? Because you want to know what's going to happen to you. Um, well, you can't even go in and get a little peek of what's going on. 
They couldn't even look inside of it. Nobody had, in other words, because when somebody looks inside of it, they can come back and tell you, ooh, ooh, wait till you get in there, ooh, ah, ground round, hallelujah, ah, ah. No, no, nobody could even take a peek in there. Nobody had that authority, that ability to even take a sneaky, sneaky peeky, ah, and, and then come and give us a little hint of what God's total plan for redemption for redemption and judgment were. Nobody could. Not even Moses. Not even Elijah. Nobody could take a sneak peek. Utter silence. See, we're about to be left in utter limbo. Purposeless. Directionless. No direction at all. Ah, that's that what was happening here. Man, we're going to be left in utter silence. In utter limbo. We're not going to even know what, what God's plan for redemption and condemnation and judgment and blessing are. We're not going to be able to find that out. We're going to be left mysteriously aghast. Uh, then scene four. Man, we're moving fast. Found in verse four. Look at verse four. I wept and wept. Remember when the Jewish people repeated something? That meant it was real. It was heavy. I wept and wept because no one was found who was worthy to open the scroll or look inside. The fourth scene, I wept and I wept because no one was able to be found. This fourth scene is utter futility. If you're, that's, that's what I'm entitled scene four. Utter futility. Now, we, it's very important to find out why John is crying. Why is he weeping? Listen, he's not crying because he's in, you know... Uh, He's investigating and, and, and he wants to, you know, put the pieces together for his information, but he can't do that. He's like, man, I can't find out what's on the scroll. He's not crying because he, he, he can't, he, you know, he's doing a piece of investigation and he wants to know what's in there. He's not crying because he's unable to do that. That's not why he's crying. It's not because he's curious and, and he's unable to, to get any answers at all. Not at all. It's much more deeper and much more profound than that why he's crying. See, he's crying because if nobody's found to be able to open the scroll and even take it from Almighty God the, the, who sits on the throne uh, and open it, if nobody's found, then God's plans and God's purposes are all for naught. Uh, utter futility. The blessings and the judgment of God will not be brought to light. Wasted time. Vanity of vanities, Solomon says. Life will just be vanity. It'll just be futile if nobody is found. And to a Christian, to a disciple, the apostle, to an apostle like John, that means a lot. Any minister that, that cares about people, if, 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 if all we have on this earth uh, is eat, drink, and be merry, and that's it, we don't have no, no hope then everything is futility, it's futile, it's vanity. Then what's the use? Huh? So that's why he's crying, because he's a minister. See, he, John had already suffered. Matter of fact, when he's writing these, these, these words on this, of, of Revelations, he's, he's on the island of Patmos. He's, 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 he's been put away, he's like in prison. He's like at the rock, he's like in Alcatraz. Where's in Alcatraz? Ah, he's, he's, he's out there suffering for the gospel. And he's saying, man, I've suffered a lot for Christ. I've suffered all kinds. And if there's no hope, then all this suffering has been utter futility. It wasn't even worth it. What for? Ah. If such is the case when nobody's found, then he really, you know, and if he's already gone through suffering, if he's already done... You know, gone through all kinds of madness, being you know put away in a prison for the cause of Christ. Then, if nobody's found to open the scroll, then he ain't seen nothing yet. It's going to get worse. That suffering that he's had right now ain't nothing. Ain't nothing but a meatball. He's in for a whole lot more. Ah, but God forbid. See, has he been suffering for nothing? How about you and I? The things that we go through. 
Is the price that John had paid so far for the cause of Christ, is it meaningless? Is it worthless? Is there no justice? Is there no blessings? Are you with me? Can they not come to fruition? Can they not come to surface? Is there no redemption? That's why I had to sing that song today about redeemed. Is there no redemption? Will he write before the apostle Paul would write? If there be no one to open the scroll, I am of all men most miserable. The apostle Paul says, if there be no consolation in Christ, if there be no you know, salvation, he says, then I am of all men most miserable. Would the apostle John utter these words before the apostle Paul would utter them? Ah, then what's the use? Is life really meaningless? See, has the plight of the church and the proclamation of the church, has it all been but only a delusion? I thought you were going to have to think this today. Are you still with me? Is it just a, a figment of our imagination, this Christianity? Has Christianity then been, been useless? Has Christianity been meaningless? It's all, really like Solomon says, vanity. Has it all been for nothing? Is there then no real forgiveness? Has this just been a, you know, it's been good fun while it lasted. This suffering. Ah, but it's been all for naught. See, our modern era, our modern generation, has actually come pretty close to identifying with and understanding the type of tears that John uttered. Stay with me now. I'm, I'm turning you. I'm bringing you someplace right now. Did you hear what I said? Our gener we're living in a generation in a time and an age and an era where we can somewhat identify with this futility of John. We can identify with this, you know, this, this meaninglessness that John is crying about in verse 4. Maybe not to the same, for the same reasons, but we can be somewhat uh, uh, empathetic with John because we, 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 we understand a lot about meaningless. <laughs> Ever heard that? Sitting by the dock of the bay, wasting time. Do -do 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 -do. That's what John the Baptist was, John the, the, the Apostle was doing here. He was sitting by the dock of the bay in the island of Patmos. <laughs> Meaningless. I'm over here, I'm suffering for Christ. God, where are you? What's happening over here? Is all this that I went through for nothing? Did I spend 26 and a half months in the men's home for nothing? Of which I did, hallelujah. Uh, but I got me a big prize, hallelujah. La championa, praise the Lord. Uh, uh, amongst other things. But he's talking about, see, we can identify with humility, uh, uh, futility. Ever felt like that? I know that I, when I didn't have Christ, man, did I feel like that. What is life all about? Matter of fact, that's why I, I became a, a drug user, to tell you the truth. Uh, well, one of the reasons, after I used it, I said, wow, you know. Uh, I'm not going to lie, I'm not going to lie. Because I didn't know about Christ. Nobody did, I didn't know about the Lord. I wasn't saved. Once I, once I got saved, I said, wow, wow, wow. Then I said it backwards. Wow, wow, wow. <laughs> uh, to the third power. Uh, but listen, uh, we can identify with that. There was purposes. To me, really, I said, man, is this what life is all about? Then I may as well go to the drugs, go drink alcohol. Uh, because I looked to the world, and the world showed me no promise. I was brought up during the Vietnam crisis era. And man, everybody was, people were dying for, for, for a cause that I didn't really quite believe in. Well, didn't quite, didn't believe in it at all. I want to go kill somebody, like I've told you before, that I didn't know. Uh, no. They weren't coming to my neighborhood and messing with me. If they would, then they had another thing coming. <laughs> you know? But they weren't coming. We were going over there to them. No. Futility. Uh, we can identify with that. Life is meaningless. So just forge your own way. And, you know, we'll go for it, whatever turns you on. Life is really what you make it. So go for it and do as you please. That's what was happening here. Years ago in England, there was a man by the name of Bertrand Russell. And he had a big influence on the entire English-speaking population of the world. But he was an atheist, okay? Some of you have read some of his literature in the newspaper, editorials, by quotes by Bertrand Russell, very learned individual. But he was an atheist. He wrote a book entitled, 
why I am not a Christian. And people were beating it up. Oh, yeah, especially the ones that didn't want to be Christians. All those Christians are a bunch of phonies, a bunch of fanatics, uh, you know, they're brainwashed. So people were eating up his, his literature. So his influence is all over the English-speaking community throughout the world, this planet. And when he wrote that book, when he was younger, but when he turned 80 years old, they interviewed him for the BBC, British Broadcasting uh, Corporation. They were interviewing him. He was over 80 now. And they told him, what do you have to hang on to? Because they knew he was near death, getting close to closing, like me. Uh, he says, what, what, what's going to happen with your life? What are you hanging on to? Look, look at his reply. I have to read it here. I wrote it down. Look, look what he says. He says, I have nothing to hang on to but grim, unyielding despair. Wow. Tell that to a mother that has just lost her baby. I have nothing to hold on to but grim, unyielding despair. Tell that to a mother or a father whose child is still out there using drugs. I have nothing but grim, unyielding despair. Uh, I just want to use this right now because I see her right here and I just, Cindy has gone through the home, she's going to be graduating pretty soon. Her boy's still out there using drugs, but she has more to hold on to than grim, unyielding despair. He, he's going to say. But you, I could, I could mention your name. I could mention your name. You have more to hold on. But without somebody opening the squirrels, that's all we have. Futility. Ah. Tell that, my friend, to, 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 to a husband who's lost his wife of 50 years. That's all they have to hang on to. Tell them both. Tell everyone to hang on to grim, unyielding despair. Matter of fact, this current now generation, my friend, you know, it, it stands a great chance of taking this scene of despair and futility to the next level. Did you hear what I said? This next generation can take us beyond futility. Beyond futility. Beyond despair. It's going to get worse. A generation who is so, so selfish that it doesn't even want to deal with the things of the future and different issues. They don't care about the, 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 you know, the, the national debt and what it's going to do to their children. They don't care. All they want is, you know, pie in the sky and I want it right now. They don't care about future events. They don't care if we're going to, you know, all the oil, we're going to use up all the natural resources. They don't care. They're very, very selfish. Ah, man. A type of, listen to this, a type of, and I took time to write this one down. A type of willful blindness. It's a deep word right there. So a willful blindness. In other words, they're willing to be blind. They don't care. They don't give an oyase. A careless, indifferent type of a generation, generational attitude. Well, so what if my kids don't get a lot of stuff? They don't care about leaving a legacy. I was going to say something right now, but I won't. Hallelujah. Uh, they care only about their own selfish bones. Their bones. They don't care about leaving a legacy for the children. Uh, weep. You ask them to weep. They say, weep me, cry? Over what? Over the next generation? No way, Jose. Uh, you're crazy. Us weep for, for the unfortunate, for the unfortunate plight of, of those younger ones that are going to come behind us? I'm not going to cry for them. I don't got no heart. I don't, I, I don't care. Why cry, big guy? Not I. Huh? That's their attitude. Hey, big guy. You're, that's the latest of big guy. Hey, big guy. Why cry, big guy? Not I. Uh-uh. They have nothing to weep for or to cry for. They're going to get theirs and heaven help the rest. No, no, no. They don't believe in heaven. They don't believe in heaven. Uh, no, no, no. They don't, they, they, don't, they don't care. To them, life is all about eating, drinking, making merry, making babies, uh, having sex, and forget it. That's really what it's all about for them. Hey, I came, I lived, I had sex, and that was great. That's all I care about. I came and, you know, eat, drink, have sex, then die like a dog. That's all they care about. That's all in their mentality. Talk about social and, and spiritual bankruptcy. That's what they're headed for. Told you you had to think of the sermon. You had to think of the sermon. 
But that's where they're headed to. Social, spiritual, probably even economical. Bankruptcy. Oh, but here we come with scene five. See, the Apostle John, like, thank God for the gang generation that my wife was talking about. The young warriors and the gang girls. See, don't think for a minute and minimize what God is doing with it, especially our ministry, Victor Average, with the gang and our youth. These are young people that they want to leave a legacy because they, they're, they're grateful for what their parents have done for them. See, there's another generation that really cares. Uh, they, they, they care. And that's what we're teaching our, our, our young people. Listen, uh-uh. You people don't go along with the crowd, the maddening crowd. Don't, uh, don't go into that utter futility and utter, utter despair because you don't have to live there in utter despair. You can live in blessings way. Uh, see, the Apostle, pa, Apostle John, he understood this. Uh, that if God's purposes, if they're not fulfilled regarding redemption and judgment, then yes, all things are but dumb. All things are, are futile. John understood that, but so does our young generation understand that. And they care. They have a caring attitude. Here's where the last and final scene, scene five, comes in. Look at verse five, and then I'm going to close. Verse five. It says there, Then one of the elders said to me, Do not weep. Look, see, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has triumphed. He's able to open the scroll and... It's seven seals. Then I saw a lamb looking as if it had been slain, standing in the center of the throne. See, now, here is where we're able to meet. Somebody is able to come in and meet all the requisites, all the requirements. Somebody was found. Uh, this lion of the tribe of Judah. Uh, was found that could open the scrolls. And listen, let me tell you something. This lion of the tribe of Judah is not a tame lion. Now, I know my, my, my daughter, Val, she reads a lot. And I don't know if anybody else will remember this, but you know, C.S. Lewis wrote a book, uh, English Literature. Uh, the, the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. And the lion's name was Aslan. I don't know if you know, you have to read it and require reading. Anybody? Uh, Aslan. Uh, and and he's, a, he's a lion that's come back to life. He's a lion. But they tell him, listen, and all the little kids, especially when Val read it, she was a little kid. She's not a little kid no more. Uh, but they, didn't, they liked this book. And they liked the lion. Everybody, they probably read it and said, oh, I wish the lion was here so I could play with it. Not this lion. This is not a domesticated lion. You know what a domesticated beast is? It's one of those things that you, you carry around a little, you can carry him with you and take him to dinner and let him out. And, you know, a little, oh, no, 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 no. No, macho is not domesticated. Ah, no, 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 no. The name is all that it applies. <laughs> aye, aye, aye. When I go get a haircut at Arsenio's and they have their, their macho dog, I, I, when I knock, I say, put the, the dog in there because I don't want to bite him. <laughs> I am not a domesticated pastor. <laughs> I take her a biz, you know. Aye, aye, aye. Uh, but this is a mean old lion here. This lion, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. Uh, he, 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 you know, I, I read a bumper sticker many years ago that said, Jesus is coming back, and boy, is he mad. I didn't say mad, but I have to say mad. And hopefully nobody ever read that one. Uh, but that's a fact, Jack. That's the kind of lion we're talking about here. Not don't, no domesticated little, come here, kitty, kitty. Uh, no, no, no. This is the lion of the tribe of Judah, the real king of the jungle. Uh, this lion is not some little pussycat, uh, some little pet that you can carry around to the mall or to your mom's house. No, uh, vengeance is mine. He's going to come and even the score, even Stephen. As far back as Genesis, matter of fact, turn very quickly. We've got a few more minutes, and I'm going to close right now anyways. Genesis 49, look at Genesis 49. It talks about Judah. Genesis 49, verses 8, 9, and 10. It talks about Judah. It says in Genesis 49, 8, Judah, your brothers will praise you. Your hand will be on the neck of your enemies. Your father's sons will bow down to you. It's talking about Jesus. You are a lion's cub, O Judah. You return from the prey, my son. Like a lion, he crouches and lies down. Like a lioness who dares to rouse him. The scepter will not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet, until he comes to whom it belongs, and the obedience of the nations is his. It's talking about Christ, but it's also talking about the nation of Judah. And Judah is a lion. It's got the scepter. It talks about them being a lion. Then verse 6 says, and I read that purposely, the lion suddenly becomes a lamb. Now, 
When I thought about this, I said, man, I wanted to use an illustration, but I wasn't able to, you know, you ever seen those cards? Like, how many have uh, Gangster Life uh, CD? How many have Gangster Life CD? Some of all the gang girls, hallelujah. You know, she used to be, <laughs> and I liked her new CD, well, her second to the last CD, because you could go like this and she was rapping. Uh, what do they call that? Huh? Holograms? Yeah, when they go like that. You know, you, you move them and then they... they, they, they. Uh, Dennis, my next flyer, I'd like to make it like that. Uh, <laughs> uh, well, this is what's happening here. God, this... this this individual that was able to come and, and open the scrolls and, 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 and you know, take the scroll from, from the Almighty God, he's a lion and he's a lamb. He's both. But again, listen, it's a slain lamb. This is not a baby lamb either. This lamb had to pay a price. It took Jesus a big price to become the lamb of God. He had to be tough and strong. See, most nations, when they, you know, when they describe themselves like the, the U.S. government, we are the spread eagles. The spread eagles. That's what, that's what the U.S. is, an eagle. But it's a ravenous eagle. <laughs> Russia was the bear. The bear. France is the lion. Uh, we're the eagles. But the symbol of heaven is a lamb. Uh, a lamb. Yes, a lion, but also a lamb. When we want to describe ourselves as being powerful nation, we're eagles. Russia, we're bears. France, we're lions. Britain, the tigers. Uh, they're bad. Well, heaven says, ah, we're lambs. <laughs> but this lamb earned its power. It showed its colors on the cross of Calvary. This is a bad lamb. We're talking about a big, bad motor scooter kind of a lamb. No, no, sissy lamb. Make lamb chops out of him, you're going to make human chops out of you. Hallelujah. Uh, no, no, you don't mess with this lamb. Uh, Christ had to, it took a lot of guts and a lot of faith on the part of Jesus to become the lamb of God. But that's what it says here. Because of what he did. Look at the songs. And with this I close, I really mean it. But I want to close in music. Look what it says. You are worthy, verse 9, to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slain. And with your blood, you purchased men for God. From every tribe and language and people and inner cities, hallelujah, you have made them become kingdoms and priests to serve our God. And they will reign on the earth. Worthy is the Lamb. To him who sits on the throne, to the Lamb, to be praise and honor and glory and power forever. Forever. There, we can sing a song. There is redemption. Because there was somebody found. The sinless lamb that was slain. He was able to go in. And he didn't, he wasn't awkward. When you read the portion of scripture here, when he comes before the throne, it wasn't like, oh, oh, okay, okay. Can, can, can I have the scroll? Because I'm No! It says he was in the center of the throne. He didn't feel awkward to come and sit on the throne and mess with the throne. Because he was. It says they're Jesus. Uh, Almighty God and the lamb. They're one and the same. Twenty six, very portion, heavy verse in the Bible. Some of you may not know it, but I'm going to bring it to you right now. Some of you do. Romans 3.26 says that he that was able to be both just and justifier. Deep scripture. I'm going to close with that. Some of you say close with anything. With that. He's able to be both lion and lamb. Both just and justifier. The lamb, the, I mean, hey, the lion's going to get you. Uh, that's just. If you, if you die without Christ, you're going to go to hell. Because he's able to be both just and and justifier just means, hey, we don't, God doesn't send nobody to hell. We send ourselves. And because you didn't accept Christ and ask for forgiveness, he's able to be just. You can't accuse him of, man, come on, Jesus, don't send me to hell. I'm sorry. No, no, no. He can send you to hell. 
because he's just, the lion. Vengeance is his. But he can also be your attorney, your justifier. To him that is able to be both, that's heavy. King and judge and go to hell and justifier. Oh, you accepted my son? Don't go to hell. Come to heaven. Good, good over here. Oh, yeah. oh, yes. I'm able to change your life and be with you here on earth. I'm able to empower you by, the, by my third part of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit. Go help him. Go tell any learn. He's got to learn if he wants to make it. Ah, the Holy Ghost will prompt you. Get involved in those level classes, those phase classes. Get into that, that, that vasa. Ah, that's the Holy Spirit. But he's able to be both. The lion and the lamb. But we do and we can sing a song of redemption. Because there is redemption. Somebody was found. Thank God! To be able to go in and don't even feel awkward in the throne. Be a part of the throne and get the scroll and open the seven seals. We're going to cover more about that next week. And open it up and say, look at the plan of redemption. Condemnation too. But Romans 12.1 says there is now therefore no more condemnation. To them that are in Christ Jesus. To them that walk according to the spirit and not the flesh. Uh, doesn't say there's no more mistakes. Doesn't say there's no more failures. I mean, really, watch. And I always do this, so I'm going to do it again. How many of you here are Christians and you've made a mistake or a failure this past week? Let me see your hand. Those that didn't raise your hand, man, you better raise your hand, you liar. Ah, <coughs> uh, liar, liar. Pants on file, hallelujah. Uh, but we have redemption. We have forgiveness. Forgiveness. Because of the Lamb who was able to open up the sealed scroll. I want every head bowed and every eye closed. Every head is bowed and every eye closed. Next week we're going to cover more on this, the seven horns and the incense and the eyes. But right now is the forgiveness time, redemption time. God does not send anybody to hell. We send ourselves by not accepting him into our lives and asking for forgiveness. Somebody was found. Christ Jesus. Not Jesus Christ. Christ Jesus. Different ministry he has. But because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross, then we can find redemption. Those of you that need forgiveness of sins, it's being offered to you. The opportunity is afforded you right now. And I want to pray for those of you that are here this morning. And you need forgiveness of sins. Somebody open up the scroll. John doesn't have to weep. I don't have to weep. Our new generation doesn't have to necessarily weep. Because there is a remedy. There is a redemption. And if you need forgiveness of sins, I as a minister of the gospel of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ offer that to you. Won't you receive it? And all you got to do is believe it. Faith. Jesus exhibited faith by going to the cross. Strong faith. We got to be like father, like sons. If you need forgiveness of sins, I'm going to ask you to stand right there where you're at in faith. If you need forgiveness of sins, quickly stand your feet right there where you're at. Quickly stand your feet right there where you're at. You need forgiveness of sins. Anybody else? Many people are standing, but I believe there's more. I'm going to wait just a few moments longer, then we're going to pray. If you need forgiveness of sins, quickly stand your feet right there where you're at. We're going to pray. We're going to pray right there where you're at. Hallelujah. Anybody else? Is every head is still bowed and every eye closed. Spirit of God, moving to ministry. Say this message, though educational, but it educated my mind to the fact and to the realization that I need redemption, I need forgiveness. And that has afforded me because of what Christ did on the cross. Anybody else? This is my last call. Many are standing, but I believe there's more. I need forgiveness of sins. I'm going to wait a few moments longer that we're going to pray. Many are standing, but I believe there's others. If that's you, I'm going to ask you quickly. Take advantage of this opportunity and stand on your feet and get right with Almighty God. Let Him be justifier. Not just just, but justifier, forgiver. Anybody else? This is my last call that we're going to pray. Anyone else? Hallelujah. Those of you standing, I'm going to ask you to bow your head right there and repeat this prayer after me. Say, Jesus, I understand your word says, Romans 3, 26, you're able to be both just and justifier. You're able to send me to hell, but I don't want to go. 
I understand. I don't have to go. Because you're able to be justifier as well. I want you to forgive me. Be my redeemer. Buy me back. That I would belong to you. First and foremost. I would seek first your kingdom. Forgive me. into my heart change my life I don't want to live as those that have no hope utter futility utter silence vanity I want meaning purpose direction protection in my life and I believe by your spirit you bring that with you all those things into my heart you are the sunshine of my life in Jesus name I pray Amen Father right now I have spoken your word and we know in part we prophesy in part some of my words but your Holy Spirit has moved Lord God and I can sense the great doctor that you are, Lord God, doing surgery on people's hearts spiritually. The, the most important organ, Lord God, in a person's body, the heart. That's the most important organ in the spiritual body as well. And you're doing heart spiritual surgery right now. And some of them have needed circumcision of the heart, Lord God, and you're doing that even now. They need to be revived, Lord God. Revive the heart, Lord Jesus. Do the work, Dr. Jesus. Do it. Bring us back to life us again because of your great power of redemption and forgiveness thank you that you were able to go and grab the the scroll that sat at the right hand the right hand the scroll that was at the right hand the hand of power and open the seals and read the plan of redemption and forgiveness and also judgment and even condemnation but Lord, let us work overtime to bring people from darkness into light. That you would not have to be the lion, but the lamb in their lives. Not being just, but justifier in their lives. Let us work overtime, Father. Especially with our families. In your name we pray. Let's stand and sing the song as we dismiss. I will do a new Sing it to him, 